being a part of a label before and it's quite hard to get like the go-ahead for Christian things in your songs but I've always managed to keep that balance of having enough well, my first album was called Love Never Fails and we know that scripture I always try and get just the spirit just to bring the spirit into the song and I feel like I've done that throughout my projects but this is the first fully Christian EP that I'm going to be doing The Profile You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio with me, Sam Hales. This is the show where we delve into a person's life, faith and testimony. And it's brought to you in association with the UK's leading Christian magazine. That's Premier Christianity. If you'd like a free sample copy of the latest issue of the magazine featuring loads more great interviews just like this one, plus reviews, features, news and more, then head to our website, premierchristianity.com. But today on the show, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by special guest Jarmaine Douglas, known simply as Jarmaine, is a British gospel singer, songwriter and poet who was runner-up on 2012's X Factor. His latest project is entitled Father to the Fatherless, and he joins me now. Welcome to the show. Hey, hello. You've done your research. Nicely done. <laughs> I do my best. I do my best. Yes. How, are you, how are you finding, I was going to say lockdown. I don't know if we're still in lockdown, but how are you sort of finding <laughs> COVID? What's it been like well, for you? Being a singer, I'm usually in isolation all the time anyway. So the way everyone's looking at people now is the way I always look at people because I never <laughs> want to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> Got to protect the voice. Yes. <laughs> and presumably uh, one massive change is, is just gigging, touring. I mean, are you concerned that, mm. you know, when are you going to get back to that kind of way of, of making a living? Yeah, because my whole tour completely stopped. And for a singer, like touring is the way to make money. So that side of things has completely stopped, but the creative side of things have continued. It's, I did have a writer's block at one point, but we've continued. New music's coming. <laughs> that brings us to the latest project, of course, uh, Father to the Fatherless. <laughs> yes. Tell me a little bit about that title. Where's that come from? Um, well, my manager actually wrote this song, but it's um, highlighting how God can be there for you, even if you haven't got a father present or if the father present isn't a good father or isn't able to be a good father it's just showing that god can fill that space for you which i feel is a story that echoes through a lot of people <laughs> and is that something you personally would would sort of say is being part of your story as well with your experience of of having a having a dad and what that was like 100 percent, and i feel like that's why god stepped into my life because i did have a quite a horrific upbringing and god stepped in and, you know, made things more bearable for me. We always <laughs> like to hear about people's um, faith journey and story and testimony. Mm. So, so should we start there? I'd love to hear a bit about um, what life was like growing up and also where Christian faith came into that. Oh, it's a bit dark. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go all the way in. <laughs> I don't know where to begin, really. I never, I didn't go to church to begin with. It wasn't something that I was like forced to do as a child. It was through abuse that I found God and God stepped in through an attack on my mother, like the last attack, which involved blow torches and knives. And in that moment, God stepped in and just kind of told me everything would be okay. And within that week, my father um, was taken away by the police and I haven't seen him since. And I feel like that's God. God is moving. And he told me I wouldn't have to worry. He stepped in and I haven't seen that man since. How old were you when that took place? Oh, wow. Testing my memory. <laughs> I must have been 13, 12, 13. It's really young to go through all that trauma and, um, and upset. What were, mm -hmm. the, what were the circumstances that led to that? Do you, do you remember much of, of what took place? Um, 100% since I was born, it was um, domestic violence. Um, I was abused. My mother was abused. We've tried to get away. We've changed our names done everything we possibly could to escape the situation but in the end I feel like God stepped in. What do you mean by God stepped in like what what sort of practically would you describe that as for someone who's who wouldn't wouldn't understand that phrase I suppose? Um, so for example if I was being beaten or being strangled and I like lose air lose consciousness I felt like God would step in and take away the pain and it happened quite frequently. And 
as a kid, it's, it was quite painful and it was quite a lot of abuse mentally, physically. It was very draining on my body, my mind. And I feel like if you're spiritually okay, you can withstand quite a lot. And I feel like that's where God stepped in just to save me, save my soul. Can you remember a particular time where you made a commitment to God or where God became real or when you sort of became a Christian, people <laughs> use different phrases, but, but mm. not everyone can, but it, was there a sort of moment for you in your childhood where, where that sort of happened? It's an interesting question <laughs> because I've always felt him there. I think for me, I realized that when I asked a question and the answer that came back to me wasn't something that was already in my head, that's when I realized that God was a thing because I was actually conversing with something. I never knew what it was. I didn't call it God at the time. I just knew there was something there. And there, was loads, there were loads of times like being abused or being locked outside in the cold when it was snowing, where God just kind of blanketed me with his love. Wow. And I just couldn't feel the pain anymore. It was quite a few times. I can't like pinpoint, because <laughs> I was quite young, I can't pinpoint in the beginning. But I can say that I didn't have faith um, put onto me. I didn't have Christianity put onto me. So God stepped into my life and that's how I was introduced to God. Was there sort of people in your life who could sort of tell you about God or, or do you feel like God mm. just revealed himself completely aside from that? My mother was quite a spiritual person, but it wasn't really a thing to discuss at the time. So I do feel like God revealed himself to me. And I remember one time in particular where in the last attack on my mother, I just remember me praying and saying, take me instead, take me instead. And I just remembered the feeling of myself coming out of my body and just floating on my bed, just completely wrapped in God's love until the morning time. And in that week, like I said, I haven't seen my father since. So I know that God stepped in and no one can tell me any different. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I, I, supp I suppose um, in your music, obviously this latest project, there's a huge amount mm. about your faith there. Um, do, do, you think you're, do you think you're kind of more open about faith now more than ever? Or do you think it's, it's always been there in your music? I feel like it's always been in my music, but being a part of a label before, um, I've been a part of two labels now, and it's quite hard to get like the go-ahead for christian things in your songs but i've always managed to keep that balance of having enough well my first album was called love never fails and we know that scripture i was sure. trying to get the scripture in i was trying to get just the spirit just to bring the spirit into the song and i feel like i've done that throughout my projects but this is the first fully christian ep that i'm going to be doing it's quite exciting i'm quite excited <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love I love that, as you say, you know, love never fails being that kind mm. of it's a bit of a nod, isn't it? To those of us in yes. the know who know <laughs> we know that's a scripture. And yet it's also perhaps enough to get under the records to you know, pass by the record label bosses yes. and not know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird one because obviously we know in the music industry, a lot of singers are from church and a lot of people in the industry are faith based. So it's just being true to yourself. I'm always trying to be true to myself. Can't be any other way when you're singing. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think most, most people understand that, don't they? As you say, being mm. true to yourself is, is very important. And yet, is there still a little bit of a gap with, with faith and some of the labels that for whatever mm. reason they're worried, this won't sell, or this won't connect? You know, why do you think there is that mm. bit of a block there? Um, I think it's just the way music is now. Everything's quite overtly sexualized. Everything's very, it's not a place for a Christian to be. And people always ask me, how do you stay true to your faith? And I always say easily. <laughs> it's easy to say no to things. It's easy to just be who you are. I'm not someone who likes to compromise if it's going to compromise my faith. So I, I just be myself and the things around me usually start to change. <laughs> takes, that does take great strength though, doesn't it? And, and um, it does take great strength to stand up to people and say, actually, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm a Christian. It can't always be easy. Um, for me, it's probably more so when you're in friendship circles or you're in a workplace, you're usually the one that will be mocked for your faith. People will be like, oh, you're, you're holier than thou. They'll think that you're trying to be some type of perfect when usually it's the complete opposite. I know that I'm not perfect and I know that I've got these struggles to go through. I know that I need God in my life to be better and to progress and to try and grow. It's not 
anything to do with, <laughs> you know, trying to put my faith on other people. You're not supposed to, you know, brainwash people or <laughs> force yeah, your yeah. faith on people. They have to find it for themselves to fully understand it. Talks mm. about New Testament, doesn't it? About sharing your faith with gentleness and respect. Mm. Uh, you think if only if only every Christian was gentle and respectful <laughs> in the way they talked about their faith, maybe would make a bit more progress. I don't know. I think for me, the best way is just to lead by example. I find people stop swearing around me. People like try and stop smoking weed or things like that. They'll try and change the way they are because they see a way that's working for someone else. It's helping them mentally because a lot of these people are lost. They're drinking because they're trying to hide pain. They're smoking weed because they're trying to hide pain. And I'm believing in God to hide pain. Mm. Well, to cure the pain, to heal it. <laughs> of course, yeah. So tell me a little bit about um, what church looks like for you. Is, is church a big part of your life? Um, not in the sense of... So since becoming a singer, it's been harder to go to a building. But I'm in a place where God has called me out of the church anyway. And a lot of my Christian friends are having the same thing. And I feel like it's coming to that boiling point where there are a lot of churches, not all churches, but some of the churches that I know, there's politics that are going on, the politics. <laughs> there's a lot of things going on in churches that are pushing, it's pushing God to call Christians outside of the church to work in their communities. And that's what I'm quite passionate about. What sort of things have you heard that have been going on then? Inside churches. Um, there's just a lot of feelings getting hurt without going too <laughs> into detail. But I, there are the churches that are working in communities and they're doing an, a brilliant, amazing job. And I just, I would like to take this chance to just remind churches that your impact in the community is important. Don't just do your work within your four walls. Don't just stick, like focus on the people within the church. Use the people in the church to reach the people in the community. I understand that a lot, a lot of people mm. sadly have had had quite bad experiences of, of church being quite hurt nevertheless you know i think most christians agree you need to have some sort of community if it's not a recognized yes. church some sort of community around you so have you mm -hmm. found that instead that you may not be a recognized building on a sunday but you've <laughs> you've found a kind of community elsewhere has that has that sprung up kind of in its place i think for me because i didn't find god in church i found god outside of the church so naturally i'm quite my church is outside of church anyway. It's where three or more people gather. And my friendship circle, will have a lot of Christians in my friendship circle. So it's very easy for me to, you know, be unashamedly Christian. <laughs> but I like to, for me, faith without works is dead. So I try to make sure that my actions are speaking louder than my words mm. with my faith. I'd love to um, go back and talk a little bit about X Factor. Um, just uh -oh. take me... <laughs> well just just take me back to um you were very young take me take me back to what was sort of going through your mind when you were presumably applying for the show and just really early days um presumably you know you wanted a career in music and you saw this as a, as a way of helping you get there um i never wanted to go on the x factor like i knew for a mixed race boy who sings gospel soul music i wouldn't really stand a chance on a show like x factor like a pop machine to make things like, you know, One Direction for someone like me, <laughs> a balladeer, it's not really a, a thing to do. But a, a guy approached me who became my manager, said, let's do this. And I said no at first, and then kind of twisted my arm into applying for the show. I didn't think I'd make it for the audition. I was quite shocked. <laughs> Amazing, given that you were runner up in the end. <laughs> you went I a lot I, further than the audition. <laughs> I think I went further than X Factor wanted me to go. <laughs> What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, X Factor, you know, it has its way of getting what it wants in the end. <laughs> I don't think I was it. <laughs> you don't think you fit the kind of the pop, mm. uh, whatever, whatever they thought pop music should look like. You didn't feel like you fit within that. Yes. And even as a Christian, I saw that I wasn't fitting in the way other people were became a bit of an outsider and Christianity can do that to you sometimes, especially in certain industries, but I've got God. I don't mind. <laughs> I 
I know just recently you, you've spoken a, a bit about X Factor. I don't want to go over this too much, but it, it was interesting. <laughs> that you, it was interesting mm. you said that looking back, you wouldn't really recommend it, you know, for up and coming singers. And mm. as well, I think you spoke about how they seem to be more interested in your story and your backstory than whether you could sing or not. Now, clearly, <laughs> you know, by the time by the mm. time you get to the live shows, clearly everyone there you would hope you'd think could sing. But I imagine, I imagine people know what you're talking about. And I know other, sometimes people watch expats mm. and they're like, why is there always a, you know, forgive me, but why is there always a sob story? Like, why is there always... Mm. I feel like if they didn't have those things, people wouldn't tune in as much. A lot of it is, you know, orchestrated to make people tune in and to get people hooked. <laughs> and as much as people cuss the sob stories, which are actually people's lives, it makes people watch the show, makes people tune in. The joke acts make people tune in and people forget that they are real life people that have a dream and the show is just mocking them. Right. And I think people, I think people are clocking onto that now and they're kind of like, it's not, it's not funny anymore. Tell me a bit about, about your experience though. Cause you know, you were never, you were never a joke act. You were a very serious mm. contender, but yet you still, you. you still had a negative experience. So tell me a, Tell me a bit about what you found so difficult. I mean, did you find it difficult at the time or is it only in hindsight you think actually this, this wasn't quite right? Um, it was difficult at the time and I expected it to be hard because, you know, nothing worthwhile is ever easy. That's my motto in life. <laughs> but if you're an artist and you take your artistry seriously and you're, you're a singer, X Factor is just not for you. If you want to be famous and like singing is kind of in there, it's for those type of people who don't mind being molded so I'm not someone that wants to be molded James Arthur is not someone that wants to be molded we're already we already know who we are we already know what our sound is what we want to look like so X Factor kind of bashes those people about a bit after X Factor you took on a record deal didn't you and so some would say sort of looking at your story well, well didn't then X Factor despite all its faults did it not mm. launch your career or at least help your career in a big way um I wouldn't say so because I was forced to make a cover album and for an artist, that's the last thing you want to be. It's kind of the end of the road thing that you do. And for me, it kind of just showed that they weren't taking me seriously. They held on to me for years and then dropped me. So all the work dried up. It's a very vicious machine for singers like me. If Psycho isn't involved and they're not interested in you, they're not going to try and make money with you they're not going to try and turn you into an artist in hindsight do you think you would have been better off just never going on the show at all and you could have mm. progressed i guess without not just without the x factor but perhaps without a label as well that that would have been a a decent way to go i suppose um, i feel like now is a good time to be independent i feel like when i went on the show it would have been nice to have had a label that believed in me i think for a singer like myself as well i'm quite old school the way i do music I'm a, I love 90s music. I love people like Whitney Houston. And I feel like those type of artists need a label. But for me, it just wasn't, it just didn't work. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but it's just they weren't interested. They weren't interested in making an artist. People want fast music now. They want singles. People aren't really consuming albums anymore. People are forced to do, you know, single, 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 single. It's not like we were back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm still old school. I still listen to albums and you know, some people who are very close to me don't understand it, but I'm like, no, you know, an artist puts together a whole mm. album and you're supposed to listen to it. Track one, track two, track three. For a good three years. And now album only lasts like a week, <laughs> but it's yeah. made, it's changed. Like music has completely changed because of things like Spotify, but we're trying to adapt and change. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, j just to put it really bluntly, how do you make mm. a living now, given mm. the things you've mentioned, not having a label, Spotify, mm. we know streaming doesn't bring in a lot. We know gigging looks unlikely because of COVID. I mean, how do you, how do you make it work? Um, it's not easy. Can't lie. <laughs> um, you do have to do a lot more touring, a lot more gigging. And streaming has completely robbed the artist of being paid basically for their music. And it is, it is hard, I think, for unless you're huge, like Ariana Grande or someone who's going to make a lot of money off of the streams, it's hard for up-and-coming artists to make money unless they have a solid fan base that will see them at every gig. Now, with COVID, though, if you can't, if mm. you can't gig, what, what are the options left to you? 
to go and find other employment, I guess. <laughs> if you are up and coming, it's quite, it's, it's been hard for me um, during this COVID period because it's lasted almost a year now. Yeah. And a year without work is hard for anybody. Yeah, of course. So look into the future though. Yes. Things, <laughs> things look positive in the sense of what you're just saying about, you know, you know who you are and mm. you don't need a, a label to tell you what kind of, and you certainly don't need a label to tell you what kind of an album to make. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you've said yourself, you, you want to be open about your faith and you have been throughout your whole career. So tell me a little bit about this new music that's coming out. Um, Cause it sounds like this sounds like you're in a really good place when it comes to, mm. as you say, being true to yourself and releasing music that reflects that. Um, yes. It's just, before I didn't really want to do a Christian EP because a lot of people don't realize the music world for Christians is a very tricky place to be in. Again, people expect you to be a hundred percent perfect and I'm not someone that ever tries to be that. I don't claim to be that. I just want to be like myself with all my flaws and not be overly judged by it, by a Christian scene. Yeah. Cause it kind of hits home a bit more when it is fellow Christians yeah. cussing you. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I'm finally in a place mentally where I can put together an EP and just be happy with it that I'm representing God and just fully a hundred percent from the artwork to the lyrics, to the way it sounds, just have something for Christians. I think, um, I call it friendly fire. Friendly fire is the worst, isn't it? You think when, <laughs> when those, when those who don't share your faith, don't get it, that's hard. But when those mm. who supposedly are brothers and sisters in Christ attack you, that must be tough. Mm. What sort of things have, have you experienced then from other Christians? What sort of criticism have you, have you come under? Um, well, luckily I've kept the balance so far because I haven't completely jumped into the gospel scene of a hundred percent doing it. I feel like America would be harder as well, but here, the Christian scene has been very supportive of me and they've been asking for that Christian EP, that Christian album. So I'm trying to deliver on that promise. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> it's been years. But I've always got God in there somewhere. Are you expecting this uh, music to sort of influence perhaps what churches are, are singing more than some of your other stuff? You know, do you, do you hope that churches might start picking yeah. it up and using it in, in a kind of congregational sense? That would be nice. Um, for me, I didn't, re- didn't realise, because I grew up listening to gospel by choice, I didn't realise that gospel wasn't really a thing here until I started talking to my Christian friends and they're like, no, we don't, you know, it's more like Hillsong, right. Bethel, Bethel and things like that, which is more like, I think it's called soaking, soaking music, where it's more meditative and calming, whereas gospel is more in your face, trying to drag you out from where you are to make you feel something which is more of what I'm about. Right, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully this, hopefully it'll be played in church. There are a few songs on the EP that I feel that could be playing, played in church. It's really true that actually really sadly, there's, I think there's actually an ethnic divide, I would say, in, in UK church. Um, mm. Even when it comes to listening to music, I've been quite surprised that a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm white, I love gospel, I love Kurt Frank, I love gospel, I've, <laughs> That's I don't what see what like to hear. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't see. I don't see what the. Mm. I don't see why more Christians don't listen to that stuff, or more white Christians mm. don't listen to that stuff. But there's a weird. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Some sort of ethnic divide where people mm. who look like me, as you say, will listen to Hillsong and Bethel, and all that stuff's great. I've got no problem with it. Yes. But for whatever reason, the more I would say musically advanced, uh, more mm. uplifting, more joyful, more in your face uh, gospel that tends to be made by. <laughs> those who aren't white for whatever reason doesn't seem to have quote unquote infiltrated the white majority <laughs> church. And I've never quite understood why that's the case. Well, it always comes down to, I guess the percentage of how many black people there actually are in England and the influence of them on other people. I think it's like all ethnicities is like 12%, I think something quite small in England. So the influence of that music will be quite small because the percentage of that 12% who are Christians who listen to gospel music is probably not quite not, not, not. <laughs> but um, I would suggest it to anyone that type of music because Hillsong, like you say, is very, it's quite relaxed. It's a very relaxing sound. So if you want to meditate, it's a nice, that's music's perfect for that. But if you're looking for something to literally drag you from where you are <laughs> and change your mood for, I don't know, to make you happier or when you're feeling sad, for me, gospel has just always worked. It always hits me right in the feels. <laughs> and it's the only way that I know how to sing. I can't. I don't know how to sing like the Hillsong people. Yeah, I wish and I we could. wouldn't. <laughs> we wouldn't want you to. We wouldn't want you to. 
<laughs> it, it goes back to doing what, as mm. you say, what you're what you're called to do. Do you mm. think? Do you think of your life in that sense of of having a particular calling from from God or a particular mission? Or I know that I have this voice for a reason. It took me a while to realize. I have to say, because I didn't know my own self worth, and then I learned how to separate me from my gift, and I realized that. Once you do that, it's a lot easier to put everything into your gift because it's not for yourself, it's for God. And once you realize that, it's a lot easier to kind of hone your craft around your faith, if that makes sense. <laughs> I would say ever since I was younger, I've always wanted to be a singer and I've always understood the responsibility of singing, which is why I've been caught many times cussing lyrics of <laughs> other singers. <laughs> If it's not, um, like on the show, for example, they were singing about sex and things like that and expecting me to sing it in the group ensemble when there's children on the front row. And again, the responsibility is to influence those people with the right messages, not about sex and drinking. How did you deal with that at the time? I mean, was that a particular example on the show where they were trying to get you in that group ensemble mm. to, to sing stuff you weren't comfortable with? How did you navigate that at the time? I think in all fairness to other people, they just don't realize what the content is. So I think for me to point it out, I think they realize like, oh yeah, this is a bit, <laughs> a bit wrong to make Ella Henderson sing at the age of 16. <laughs> right. But sometimes people just need to be reminded that actually, you know, these things aren't okay. I think we get caught up in just going along with things and because our friends are doing it, let's just join in. Whereas I'm someone that's always like, let's take a step back, look at it see it for what it is and then make a judgment mm. my judgment was no this is not suitable for you know a show where families are tuning into and children are listening do you want to stay informed on the best of what's happening in the uk church today premier christianity magazine is for you the uk's leading christian magazine is published every month and features interviews with Christian leaders, in-depth reporting, reviews, columnists, and loads more. And best of all, you can try it for free. Head to our website now to request the latest edition, worth £5.95, completely free of charge. Visit premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. I know uh, online you've, you've been quite open about uh, some of your struggles, and you know, I really appreciated what you were saying earlier about you know just because you're a christian in the public eye sometimes there's this really unhelpful expectation mm. that get put on christians i mean you know not to mm. make this about myself but i edit a christian magazine i'm not claiming mm. to be perfect just because i edit a christian magazine <laughs> you're not claiming to be perfect just because you mm. sing gospel um, it must be quite hard for you as well like having to make sure every magazine is perfectly worded <laughs> yes well you know that's a, that's another story for another day <laughs> <laughs> no, we it's, won't it's dive into it. <laughs> <laughs> you're very, you're very clever, Jarmé. Trying to turn the tables on me. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Um, let's bring this back to you. <laughs> I was going to say on um, mm. on social media, you've been open about your struggles, in particular around mm. mental health and and depression, and uh, you've had a really tough time by all accounts, haven't you? Do you want to tell me a little bit about how you've fought that battle and um, the, the highs and the lows within that? I suppose. For me, I acknowledged it as God gave me a purpose and aligned it with my passion. And when your purpose and your passion are aligned, it's, it kind of becomes your life. And when the devil sees that you are like his priority, you become, you become the devil's target when God has given you something to run with. And I had to acknowledge that to, se to again, separate from myself. You have to call out your demons so they don't attach themselves to your psyche and then you believe that it's you. And my demon was suicide and I had to detach it from myself to realize, hey, this suicidal demon isn't me. It's the devil trying to possess me and protect, like make me believe that it's me. And I, I'm, I feel like I've gotten past the majority of that now. I, okay. I feel <laughs> yeah, it's good. easier to call it out now. Yeah. Like, hey, that's not me, get lost. Yeah. <laughs> And you say, you know, spiritual element to this in the devil. Were there, were there other, um, I guess, more physical causes that, that, that kind of brought this on? That certain patterns of thinking or certain things about your identity that, that kind of triggered some of those feelings, do you think? 
Um, for me, my foundations weren't built. It was built on abuse. So I never had anything um, sturdy to look back on. Whereas a lot of people can go to therapy and they'll find a place they can go back to to undo what they've learned. But for me, it's from birth. I've learned this way of not feeling worthy, not being worthy, and kind of living each day as my last because my father threatened at any point he'll just wipe us all out. So I kind of lived, I didn't think that I'd make it past the age of 23. And I lived thinking that way. So when I surpassed that age, it kind of became this limbo state of living where I didn't know where I was. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know, you know, how to think of myself and had to rebuild those blocks that weren't there from childhood. It's all very dark. <laughs> I, I appreciate, I appreciate the honesty. And I know you, that, that poem you posted on Twitter, what really struck me about that was um, the way you referenced so much of the Bible, so many Bible verses. And um, that was clearly important for you in rebuilding, I suppose, that sense of identity. You know, there's so much in scripture, mm. isn't there, of what, who God says you are and so many <laughs> positive affirmations of if you're a Christian, you are loved, you are chosen, mm. you are part of the family of God. It, was, it sounds like, from, from the poem at least, that, that scripture was a really key part for you in, in dealing with that particular battle. So how, how did you do that? Was it, was it, were you quite deliberately going to certain Bible verses for encouragement and, and using that to, mm. to overcome this? Well, we're taught as Christians that the word is your weapon. And I feel like I had to equip myself, not just mentally, I had to equip myself with God's word to reaffirm. It's the affirmation of just knowing what God wants from you, what he thinks of you, and that you are worthy in his light. And it was, it was a hard journey to go through because once you're in that pit, it's a very hard one to claw your way out, claw your way out of, sorry. Mm. but I got there in the end. Yeah. <laughs> and were there, um, were there other sort of friends or contacts who, who came alongside you as well and, and helped you through that? Um, definitely, but I've realised with mental health, the only way you're going to help yourself is by you making the decision with God to do it because people can talk to you until you're blue in your face or until they're blue in their face. <laughs> um, it's not going to change your mind. At the end of the day, you're going to sit with your own thoughts and those people are going to fizzle away. So it's important to have the scripture, have God and stay true to your faith and stay close to it just to kind of build it strong within yourself rather than relying on other people to make you happy. Do you think there's still a, um, a stigma around talking around this stuff? Or do you think we're in a bit of a better place in society where, where people mm. are uh, able to talk about how they're feeling? I feel like in the past five years, it's completely turned on its head. Like we, men in particular, can definitely speak out about mental health now. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been this way. I'm always open and honest. I've always tried to, for me, I don't like being backed into a corner by the devil. So uh -huh. the best way for me to get out of it is just by speaking the words out loud. And every time the devil disappears, like completely, as soon as you speak the words out, he disappears because he's scared. He's scared of God's word. He knows it like the back of his hand, but he's scared of it. What would you say to other Christians who might have, might be struggling with some of the same things you've struggled with right now and saying, actually, mm. yeah, I've, I'm battling depression. Cause I think as well for Christians, there can be, there can be some guilt. Um, mm. Cause some Christians have been taught, well, once you're a Christian, you should be happy. <laughs> you're saved. Mm. What's the problem? You know, that, that's been the attitude of some. So, so how would you mm. help someone who, who's in that dark place? What would you say to them? I do find a lot of Christians go to church every week. They'll involve themselves in the church community. But as soon as they're hit with something, they don't know how to apply their faith to the situation. Whereas I've kind of done it the other way around because I haven't gone to church. The way that faith has come into my life was to apply it to the situation first and then react. But... I would say community is always important, not like I said, to make you happy, but to keep a support system there that can make sure that you don't drop completely, if that makes sense. But I would say it's a hard one because when you are struggling with mental health, the only person that can really change it is yourself. So for me, you have to do a lot of soul dig, like a lot of soul searching, I would say. I made myself a little happiness um, 
journal. <laughs> oh, really? So every day I made sure I wrote the positive things of the day and what to look forward to. Because when you are struggling, you focus on the negatives. And when you have a happiness journal, you can look back and realize life ain't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you only write down the positive things. <laughs> a lot of those affirmation books and all those things are all taking from the Bible, all of them without including faith which is quite strange <laughs> yeah i think um, we're the i think we're about the same age aren't we i am how old am i i've forgotten how old i was i must be getting old <laughs> i'm 30 actually yes i'm 29 we're about the same age i think you've just had a, a child no yes I yeah i have yes. yeah thank you yeah you're finding that it's great i mean i love i love being a dad love it but congratulations thank you so I can't much wait to have kids <laughs> really <laughs> well my dreams growing up were to be a father and to sing they were my two dreams wow well you've nailed <laughs> well, one of them to... <laughs> the other one's harder i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> gotta find a well, woman first <laughs> i was about to say you've got to find a woman first how's that yes. going well during lockdown is impossible <laughs> but i'm not someone that's on the search i'm never on the search i feel like that's the mistake a lot of people make because it makes it puts you in a place of desperation i feel when you're constantly searching and then you find the wrong thing but of course you have to take some responsibility <laughs> that's really Which I will do soon. well it's really interesting you say that because i i've often heard those who are in a relationship or married sort of advise mm. single people and say uh <laughs> you'll find someone when you stop looking and, and and i know that must be the most for some people, that must be the, the most difficult and unhelpful thing mm. to hear. But it's interesting what you just said sounds kind of similar to that, right? Which is that I'm not, I'm not putting pressure on here. I'm just, I mm. guess, trusting, well, are you just trusting God that the, the right lady will <laughs> come in the right time? Is, is that mm. the attitude? Hopefully I don't die lonely. But <laughs> for me, um, I know that I need to work on myself first. I feel like when people are constantly searching for someone they're trying to fill this void they're trying to fill something they feel they need fulfilling <laughs> whereas I know that I don't want a person to fill that gap because it puts too much pressure on that person so fix myself first <laughs> then find someone <laughs> I like that as long yeah I like that as long as you don't uh don't don't wait forever fixing yourself because that would, <laughs> yes. you know, none of us none of us will ever be done fixing ourselves, will we? <laughs> well, for me, it's I just don't want to. I feel like it's an unfair responsibility for your partner to be the thing that makes you happy when you're. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. obviously they, they need to make you happy, but not the sole reason. Yeah, you need to have that first, and then they add on to it. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds sounds very wise to me. Sounds about right. <laughs> I don't know. You're the one in a relationship. You tell me. <laughs> well, I think I think you're spot on. I think I think if you can have that sense of yes, identity, and know who you are mm. before you then I was going to say drag someone else into a relationship. <laughs> That's not what happened. I didn't drag her. I promise. She came with yeah, her own she's free will. In the closet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think there's a lot of wisdom mm. in that. There's there's a lot of wisdom in that. Where did you? Where did you get that from, can I ask? Because I think that's a very mm. insightful thing to say. Is this, is this something you've read, something you've learned? It's um, a good question. For me, I've always had, because God has always been in my ear, again, it wasn't answers that I knew, the, like questions that I knew the answers to. So God has always given me the answer to the question, whether it's relationships or you know, different situations that, are, that you can struggle through. God has always given me a or a B and the B is usually the wrong way. So we take the A because <laughs> he wants you to take the wrong way. Sometimes it's the only way to learn. Right. <laughs> That's what life's for. Just loads of mistakes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm interested in um, how you, how you have that relationship with God. And I'd, I'd be fascinated to know for, mm. If you're trying to explain this to someone who doesn't share your faith, who isn't a Christian, and when you, when you say, you know, I felt God say to me, mm. how, how would you kind of, I know it's difficult, but how would you explain that? Do you find that, that God speaks in a particular way through certain things? What do you, I guess, what do you mean by that phrase, God said, or I felt God say? I call it the God conscience. I feel like God, you have your voice, you have your good and your bad voice. And then if you are a Christian who's 
fully believing, I feel like the God conscious comes in because you know what he's going to say to you. And you know, I don't know if it's, it's a hard one because obviously scientifically people will try and <laughs> pick you apart. But for me, it's always been there. And if it's there from young and it's always been a wise voice with things that I didn't know, it must be something else. Mm. Has to yeah. be something else. There has <laughs> to be someone else. <laughs> and I feel like whenever someone's going through something hard, like say their, their mum's on their deathbed or something, I feel like everybody turns to something. And I do believe all religions across the world originate from the same thing. And it's God. Everyone turns to God in their, in their darkest hour. Mm-hmm. Whether they want to admit it or not. <laughs> sure. Do you, think, um, do you think ultimately all religions are, are getting at the same thing? I believe that everything it comes from the same root. When you do go through a lot of the religions, a lot of the same stories are there in some shape or form. And the way they describe it, the way they describe Jesus or God, I feel like it's all coming back to the same thing. It's all coming back to God is love. And that's what I hold tight to. Do you think you can get to God through any religion? Like, is it, is it the same God in Buddhism mm. and Islam and Judah? Is it, is it all the same thing? Or, or do, you think, um, do you think Christianity is, is distinctive and this is the way to, to God through Jesus? It's a hard question without, like, uh, being cussed. <laughs> but for me, my personal journey, that's how I can explain it, my personal journey with my faith, is that God is love. And I feel like the root of all religion is that exact same thing. And I think it's silly to, I don't know, I had a a revelation the other day that God told me um, separation is of the devil. And I do feel like within Christian faith and other faiths, but feel like Christian more so, we separate our faith into different little things, whether it's Baptist, you know, we, we break it down into so many different things and it kind of separates human beings that you do it that way, I'll do it this way, we won't cross paths. Whereas I feel like that's not what God wants. He wants us all to be together under the same roof, under the same belief system. And at some point, I believe that we'll get there. I do believe the root is the same thing. But I guess the example you just used of of different denominations, I think... Mm. I think a lot of people would, would understand that, that, that mm. sometimes we divide off into, as you say, Baptist or mm. Catholic or Protestant too quickly. But I guess my question was more, more broadly than that. Do, okay. do, you, do, you think, do you think God is in other religions that, that don't actually recognize Jesus? You know, c- can you get to God without Jesus? I guess there's another way of putting the question. Um, for me, I'm, I believe too much in Jesus for it not to be another way <laughs> yeah sure if that makes sense um and i do feel like a little bit of that is within all of us like we're all supposed to lead by example that's what jesus was trying to show us and if you are separating yourselves within different religions it's not the way that he wants but yes god and jesus is my my way what's your um <laughs> what's your take on on where where we're at i know this is a big question but uh, but just sort of more broadly as a brexit (laughs) (laughs) don't worry we're not going there (laughs) i mean we can if you want do you want to chat about brexit (laughs) oh dear (laughs) i can't believe that a country built on the rest of the world is trying to disconnect from the rest of the world that's my opinion on it (laughs) so 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 you voted to leave then right (laughs) i'm joking i'm joking that sounds like we have is like the the color gray and potatoes if we didn't <laughs> have the rest of the world <laughs> i think you put it very very you clearly put the remain position in a very succinct sentence there so uh, i i want mm. one if, if one were to be cheeky one would say it's a shame they didn't have you in their marketing then maybe your side would have won the vote <laughs> who knows well i'd like to just see it play out and just Give the people what they want so they see that it doesn't work. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess that's yes. on Some, Sometimes British people just need to see it. <laughs> We're quite a stubborn country. <laughs> <laughs> you hinted at it actually earlier to do with X Factor, but because um, I think you said that, that for yourself, your, your skin colour, even with X Factor, you felt like perhaps wasn't exactly what they were looking for. But I, I wanted to, mm. to ask you a bit about what we've seen in, in this country in the last few months 
was going to say the last few months with Black Lives Matter. Obviously, that movement's been going a lot longer than that, but I think we can agree yes. that since, particularly since the death of, of George Floyd, more people than ever are talking about race. Um, mm. wh- what's your experience been like, I guess, from inside the music industry? Because I know others have spoken out about various problems they've encountered to do with racism in, in music. Has that mm. been your experience as well? It's a hard one to explain because people think racism is calling someone something. Whereas racism is a lot more than that. So within an entertainment industry, it's more about what doors they don't open for you. It's more about that. Right. And a lot of doors have been closed for me. (laughs) And I believe it's down to coming from the X Factor and the color of my skin. Right. But it's a hard one to explain. People that won't understand. They'll just say, well, maybe it's down to you not being good enough. (laughs) Well, it's very interesting you say that because I've I've had to do a bit of repentance, which is a big mm. big word for big word meaning change my mind really. Um, <laughs> because if I'm being and I've I've admitted this and I'm not proud of this, but I've admitted mm. as much in print. That if I'm being really honest, in the past when I've heard stories of even friends saying they've had a racist encounter, if I'm being really mm. honest, I think my reaction, whether I've said it or not, has sometimes been to dismiss, or there must have been another mm. reason. People wouldn't really do that, mm. and I've had to do a massive change of mind change of heart on this because you know when not to put it too bluntly but when pretty much every black friend i have has the same pile of stories all about being Mm. marginalized because of the way that you can't ignore Mm. that you can't downplay that you can't say oh it must be another explanation Mm. so um i mean i'm just being honest i've I've had to really change my attitude on this because I i think what i and thank you for addressing it as well within yourself yeah I um it's a hard one for it's a hard one because if you haven't had the experience and it's a an horrific experience it's yeah. not something that people want to address because it's yeah. it's difficult to discuss it's awkward to discuss but growing up as a mixed race person I was abused I was attacked like these things happen you're followed around the shop by the security guard you know you're I went to a school where I was probably one of three ethnic people in the school and that people look at you differently. They treat you differently. They bully you. It's a different treatment. And again, it's down to how many of us are in the country. Will we always be the minority? So we'll always be looked at as foreign or exotic or, you know, something else. But it's more about integrating ourselves together to learn, learn each other, learn each other's cultures and just have fun with it yeah do do you think there has been progress made i mean i guess for myself just very Mm. personally i'd I'd like to hope and think the past few months i've learned a lot and i've changed my mind and i do see things differently hopefully for the better but but do you think do you think that is happening because you know it's all well and good me telling you one story but i mean more (laughs) more broadly because i'm aware Mm. people saying there needs to be quite substantial change do you think we're heading in the right direction at the moment um i'm just happy that the topic is up for discussion at the moment Mm mm-hmm we're a long way off of change, change, but as long as the topic is discussed and as long as we're standing together as one, I know that we're at least moving forward. But again, it's different within London. So London people live in a bubble, black and white people, whereas I'm from outside of London, I moved into London and I realized that racism is different in London than outside of London. So when you are one of only two families in the community, your racist, your racist experience is gonna be a lot more savage, <laughs> a lot more intent, intense. I grew up outside of London and um, one of my best friends wasn't white and um, he moved very quickly as soon as he was old <laughs> enough, really, to London. Yes. And, and again, you know, at, at, the ta- yeah, well, at the time, white person, small town, I didn't put two and two together. Whereas now I've mm. spoken to him and think, yeah, well, of course, that makes, <laughs> makes total sense. <laughs> Because um, that's mm. a big deal, and it, and I think it's perhaps hard for for those of us who are in the majority who are white to understand that. I mean, there's only been a couple of times in my life, perhaps, where I have been mm. in the minority. Once was when I went to Hong Kong, mm. and and the <laughs> other time was actually in London. I went to the Excel Center. Um, okay, they have this event called Festival of Life, which is mm. um, predominantly Nigerian Christians. Okay, um, yes, predominantly live in the UK, but but, but that kind of background, and it's an all night mm. prayer meeting. It's incredible all night praying non-stop and How tens, did you feel there? tens of thousands mm. of people there. How did I feel? Well, I mean, yeah. 
it's difficult to put into words, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's very, I think it's a very helpful experience to have because mm. what you do is you then reverse that and you say how I yes. felt, how I felt for that night mm. in that one building is how other people feel every day. Um, mm. And I think it's quite, it's compl- there's complicated feelings there, isn't there? Yes. I just remember being growing up, just being scared of outside because people would throw bricks at me. People would throw stones. They would spit at you. They would shout at you. They'll tell you to go back to where you came from, even though you're from around the corner. Wow. <laughs> like the experience is intense. And especially when you're a child, it teaches you so much about the community around you. And unfortunately it makes you just makes you scared of white people. Yeah. <laughs> but Growing up, you learn that it's not everybody. And the more the people around you get to know you, they're like, oh, you know, not too bad. <laughs> I've had people since becoming a singer, people like messaging and apologizing. Really? So it's interesting. It's ignorance. And once you learn, ignorance goes away. So that's all we have to do is just learn each other. Well, Jarmin, you've been very kind with the time <laughs> you've given me. Um, before Wait, we, thank before you. we go, I thought it'd be great if I may have your permission. I'd love to play us out with maybe 30 seconds of one of your new songs, if we may have permission. Um, of course. <laughs> do you want to choose, do you wanna choose a, a, a track that we can play us out this interview with so people can have a taste of the music and then obviously <laughs> they can go and, mm. uh, and support you and check out your website and all the rest of it. But why don't you choose us a song to play us out? I guess we can play Father to the Fabulous, one of the... One of the newer songs. <laughs> All right. Well, here is Father to the Fatherless by Jermaine. Thank you. Father to the Fatherless Took our sins and died for us Commissioned us like Barnabas He's Jesus Yahweh Your name The name above all names Yahweh Your name The name above all names Take a degree in theology To know that his only son gave his life for me How could you not believe in him? Testing trials will come your way How could you not believe in him? I'm evidence of God's grace You are the Thanks so much for joining us on The Profile this afternoon here on Premier Christian Radio. I've been Sam Howes in conversation with Jarmaine. It's been great to have your company. Have a great rest of your weekend and we'll see you next time.